Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez Riffcast. That's right. It's now called a Riffcast because that's all we're going to do today is riff. Podcast brought to you by uh, L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 707 Walnut in Philly, always at LLPavorsky.com. I'm Spike Eskin, along with Riff Master General himself, Mike Levin. Mike, I'm just going to step away and you're going to riff for 60 yeah. minutes. I prefer Riffmaster Flex, if you feel my <laughs> Riffmaster Flex. Um, podcast, as always, available on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play, and now SoundCloud. We love your iTunes reviews, especially Mike. Mike is the biggest fan of the iTunes reviews. Can I tell you a funny story there, Mike, actually? Wait, I, go for it. I went to Midway Through the Week. I was like, hey, I'll look to see if we have any new reviews, and... When when you're on the reviews, you can sort by, uh, what is it, most helpful, most favorable, most critical, and most recent. And I, I always sort on most recent, but I accidentally sorted on most critical. So all of the reviews that popped up were terrible, and I didn't look <laughs> at the dates. So I thought, oh, no, everybody hates the podcast for a minute. It was, <laughs> the first one that popped up was too much political talk. I come to listen to sports, not liberal politics. Try Sixers beat one star. Anyway, the uh, most recent review given to us from Philip to read this week is five stars. It is from Sweens7. Even though Mike is downright mean to fans of the podcast when you meet him in person, he comes ah. – well, I mean, it's, he's not wrong. He comes, across, he comes across quite likable, even if sometimes sleepy on the podcast. Spike is a hero to us all, but if you get on his bad side, he will shred you apart on air, accompanied by a funky beat. Keep up the good liberal work, fellas. Once again, five stars. We love your reviews here on iTunes. Um, speaking of, re- of reviews, last week's podcast got rave reviews from people. The audiobook, the uh, special hinky resignation letter audiobook, which would you say is is close to peak, um, you know, weirdness on the podcast? Was it the weirdest thing we've ever done? Was it the it's up there. It was. Um, I liked hearing other people on it. It was. Uh, it was refreshing. Yeah, it was. It was. And I saw a few tweets. Please do not hassle Andy Greenwald and and Chris Ryan on Twitter <laughs> for not doing it. They were. They volunteered to please. They are friends of the podcast. They. I actually disagree. I think you should hassle them. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm on the other side of this one. They, they, they got. They said they were going to do it on the day that they had their big Emmy thing. And I got – they didn't have time to do it. And I got – rather than waiting, I got itchy because I wanted to get it up there. So I just read the page they were supposed to read and got it up there. And uh, and they apologized. But <laughs> I saw – I mean it wasn't a ton of tweets, but I don't know how many they got that didn't tag the Ricky in it. But the ones that did tag the Ricky in it were sort of mean. So please do not hassle those guys. Uh, hassle them a little bit. Well, you can hassle, but with with a grin, right? Hassle yeah. them with a grin and a, a light, a lighthearted hassle, Maybe <laughs> like a little, rub. yeah, you get yeah, it. yes. Uh, well, we got a bunch of sort of, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I'm sorry, my throat. We've got a bunch of sort of minor things. To <coughs> can you riff for a minute while I cough? Yeah. I'm going to put myself I'll riff. on mute. Did you? I'm going to ask you a question. Did you listen to the? I mean, the Brian Colangelo Woj podcast seems like the most 
newsy thing. I guess maybe the opening of the practice facility and some Embiid tweets. Yeah, that's um, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, I have the Colangelo on the vertical. Here's what I have: the practice facility. I have the uh, Embiid Instagram. I have the 20 man roster. If you wanted to run down that, I got NBA 2K17 and played with the Sixers a few times. Of course, Sam, oh. Sam Hinky followed a bunch of people on Twitter, and I just wanted to go over that real quick. Sure. Of. And Doug Peterson saying trust the process, and and that's oh, and the over under came out the uh, the Vegas or, or the yeah, yeah. at least the Bovada over under. But yeah, number one I had was the Brian Colangelo on the vertical. Did you listen to the whole thing? No, no. I listened to maybe half of the first answer to the question. I couldn't. (laughs) I I I turned it off. I said I was driving to work and I started it and I just loudly started yelling no, 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 and just like turned it off. Oh, well then. I listened to true crime instead, but that is true crime was more soothing than that podcast easily. Wow, so we can't even really discuss it. I, I guess I can give my no. I looked. It. I looked up at uh, some of the things he said. I I just couldn't hear him say it. Just talking about how he just more willful ignorance about how he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't think that his dad had anything to do with his hiring, and it's a total coincidence that. You know, Jerry's even his father. He didn't even know that Jerry was his dad. You know, I'll he t- forgot that Jerry was even <laughs> involved with the team whatsoever. It's a, it's crazy. Can I you know? You, can I tell you one thing that he does that I actually do that people – it always – now that I, I hear somebody else do it, it sounds weird, but I do it at work. So I always refer to my father as Howard at work. Not, not, to, not to him, but when we're in meetings and stuff like that. If only because – not not that I'm trying to create some sort of separation, but saying no, dad. No, but it's unprofessional to say my daddy. Right, right. Like, yeah, who should we have fill in tomorrow? Should we have Glenn or my daddy? Like, <laughs> right? it doesn't, it sounds ridiculous. So I just. You know, but, I like it actually. I like it better. <laughs> but he says, when he says Jerry about his dad, I was like, oh, whatever. You're just saying that. So you can. <laughs> but then. Okay. Well, he – you know what I wonder though? I wonder – so what I thought was sort of funny was that – well, one thing that I noticed about Brian Colangelo and I noticed this when he first did his um, – when he first did his podcast with Derek and Derek had him on – was supposed to have him on for like 15 minutes and his first answer was seven and a half minutes is that yeah, I don't he, know – He just talks and just gets past the question and says whatever he wants to say. Yeah, I, I don't know if he does that consciously, but he did the same thing with Woj. His answers are really, really long, and they never really stay on topic. They're always coherent and stuff. It's not like he gives bad answers, but they're always really long. Uh, the first, <laughs> the first fucking question, he 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 just like what he really brings to the table is a winning culture, and the problem before in the Hinky era was that. There was just this culture of losing. It wasn't about the players so much as – or even Brett Brown. It was – you know, there was something in the air, I think. And maybe maybe it was the parking attendants. Maybe it was the chefs. But it was this culture around the team that was just – it just stank of losers. And what popped collar Colangelo does is he he comes in there. Holding his big dick and says, "You know what, guys? Let's win. We can win with all this losing. Don't do that. Let's win." 
I don't want to interrupt you. I just I want to just let you roll. I losing culture is my fucking least favorite thing in anything in anything at all. Ugh. Well, the one thing I thought was interesting, well, not interesting, is that he talked about the losing culture that was there. And then, first of all, Woj, you know, set that up for him on a silver platter. Which, was, which, which, before we get to it, Woj totally hated Colangelo for a sec, for, or Jerry, for Jerry. a bit. Jerry, but he, and always, then, he defended Brian, though. He defended Brian. Yeah. He, he never yeah. went after Brian. He only went after That's Jerry. He. The funny thing I thought was, and we can get into the culture thing for a second, but he, the funny thing I thought was that he's like, Woj serves it up. He's like, hey, what was the one thing you really needed to change? <laughs> what and, was it? And, well, well, what, what was it? If there was one thing. But then he says, and he goes, tell me what you like about Brett Brown. And he's like, you know what? In spite of everything that was going on, he had those players trying to win every night. <laughs> yeah, like, so those seem to dis- those seem to be uh, maybe not in the same vein. They bye actually, bye. They actually seem to be uh, c- directly contradicting each other. <laughs> right. I guess. Okay, here's the thing: in the front office, there was losing culture, but within the players and and coaching staff, though they were winners. They were winners for sure. I think. Well. <laughs> I do think to a certain extent part of what his uh, job has been, at least publicly, is that I think they want him to say things like that. Like I, Not that I – Who's they? Who's they? I, I, the, the team as a whole, whether it's the CEO or the owners or whether it is a, um, a general I, – I don't think – I don't think this is all – I think he's in a tough spot. I think Brian Colangelo is in a little bit of a tough spot in that they want him to publicly act like a, tor- a corner is being turned. Even though there's you know five rookies on the roster and there's almost the, – there's the same amount of NBA experience on the roster this year as there was last year. And the, the only really meaningful signings were sort of – you know, I wouldn't even say mid-level NBA signings. I would say lower mid-level NBA signings. Like, but they want it to seem as as though. And but I, I sort of understand. I'd say mid-level. I'd, th- I'd say mid-level. They're they're all like they could all start on like a like a decent amount of teams, even if they're like bench players. It's still mid-levelish. Well, I would say. The, yeah, three I, guys. I guess uh, in the NBA now, the mid-levelish players get twenty-five million, and the. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like Evan Turner's also a mid-level player, and he got yeah, twenty million. So, yeah. so. But I would scale, take our guy. I would take. I would take. I think all of our guys over Evan Turner. Yeah, all I, three. I would of, too. All three of them. I I just think Brian Colangelo is in a funny position. In which totally, he is. Tr- he has to. He has to project, and I think to a certain extent, and you know, you know, I I don't. I don't pity him or, or anything, but a certain extent, it's like he he is accomplished enough to not have to. I've never seen a general manager, and I'm proud of this because I think we're partially responsible for this. For sure. But I've never seen a general manager have to answer about the previous general manager so, <laughs> so much, much. Absolutely. For such Absolutely. a long time, you know, for such a long – it's been going on 100%. for five but months. But because he, he got hired like – the second the season ended and he hasn't done nothing's changed since then so i think once the once the season starting basketball gets played a little bit i think that'll go away a little um yes absolutely he's in a tough spot to come in getting hired by his dad and taking over a team that's very well set up that he doesn't 
deserve. But you can you can say you can own up to all that. Well, how how hard would it be, and how much would you respect him if he's like, look, obviously my dad was here, so I know him very well, and I was a top candidate. But also, I've done what I think is a pretty good job at two different places, not not big markets, where I started some new shit in Phoenix. I planted some seeds in Toronto that are currently paying off. Obviously, it wasn't perfect, but I did, I think, a pretty good job in two places. And now I got hired partially because my dad was in charge, but also because I, I'm a fucking good general manager. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Now I'm taking over a team where Sam Inkey has done a good job of positioning ourselves up for the future. There's a lot of tremendous assets here. We have a, tr- a, a ton of flexibility. And I'm just going to cash in all these chips. There's nothing I could do about the past. I'm just going to say I'm here. I have all these things to play with. I'm really excited. I think we have a good situation. So let's go. But I, instead, it's it's this like well, halfness spin doctory stuff, which like you don't need to do it. Everybody sees through your bullshit. Well, so just own up to it. I, but I think you're – I think he says everything but – and if he said, look, if my my dad helped me get the job, that would be – that would be in complete opposition to what his dad and the owners have said publicly, the owners who hired him and are paying him. Um, and I do I, – I sort of disagree in that I don't think everybody sees through it. I, I think we see through it. And, no, and, they do. It, the public no. outcry, even mainstream, was, was about when they hired when they hired him. It was like, oh, Jesus, this is ugly. Like well, every – Across the board, but they don't see through the culture thing, and they don't see through the time for winning thing. Look, there is a I I don't. It might have been the exact same thing if Sam had been here, but if you look at the reaction to the team publicly this year compared to the last three years, even if you look at the beach bash and you look at um, like all of those things, it just. There is a difference, and well, yeah, because the number one pick, and because a theoretically healthy Embiid, right? But I, I do, but I think that doesn't happen for that doesn't happen unless casual fans are engaged, and I do think casual fans do buy into this. I think that yeah, that some you, some head had to roll, and it was Sam's, and yes. and, the, and and absolutely they can go on the like now we're you know I think even as as much as we railed against it the. The process to progress is generally the message that they're trying to yeah. spin is yeah. definitely it's like, hey, all right, we've been building and now we're going to actually be a real team, which they can they can do, which is fine. And uh, it's a shame you didn't listen. I, I actually if you could, I sort of want you to go back and listen to uh. one part, one specific part where he sort of implies, at least in the tone in his voice yep. and the chuckle and mm-hmm. when they're talking about it, that they got the number one pick because he was there. Yeah. He. I don't know if you heard it. I, I, I read it. I didn't hear it. I yeah, read it. You have to hear it. You have to hear it. He said, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just instructing everyone to go through and listen because I think it was in the first 15 minutes of the podcast. But he yeah. basically said, you know, we had some bad luck in the lottery, and I'm not going to say that I had anything to do with it, but I get here, and then all of a sudden we get the first pick, and then he chuckles. And I, I am – look, I'm, I'm really uh, conflicted on this because I am a, a staunch believer that there is no nonsense in the lottery since 
the Knicks got Patrick Ewing. I sort of believe the Knicks got Patrick Ewing. I sort of believe that was fixed, but I don't believe that it's fixed. But the tone in his voice at least wants people to, I think, maybe I'm projecting, believe that he had something to do with that. That I totally hear that, and I love a conspiracy theory, but I my read on that, at least from you talking about it and reading the quote, was... He's trying to make a joke. Like oh, he thinks like he's a ridiculous. he thinks he's a funny guy. Like right, right, right. Like oh well, I'm the maybe I'm the difference maker. I'm the lucky charm. Okay. Like clearly there was there could have been some back shady back dealing of uh, of Colangelo and the league, but I, I think the, my read on that, without listening to the to the pithy laughter, was uh, was that he's trying to be funny. Oh, wow. Uh, A big story just broke. I don't know if you're looking at Twitter. Apparently, Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan are Brian Colangelo over Hinky. Uh, They both say it. Um, They both (laughs) believe it. And that's why they didn't read the letter. Do with that information what you will. But wow, that just broke on all the news wires. (laughs) Wow. wow. Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan, both pro-Colangelo, anti-Hinky. Wow. All the all the news wires. <laughs> all of the news wires are reporting the same thing. Holy cow. Wow, that's a big story. So that was it. I thought that was the only I, I didn't I listened to the whole thing. I didn't there wasn't anything revelatory in there, obviously. I I didn't I I, I don't know what else to say about it, especially if you didn't listen to it. <laughs> uh, there's there's not too much else to say, I guess. I um, I, I guess what, I, what I've taken from this conversation is that any headway we've tried to make in being at least fair to Brian yep. Colangelo, yep. once every four podcasts, you just sort of make sure that we'll never get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, well, <laughs> yes, for sure. I, I don't know. Would we want him on the podcast? I don't know. I, don't well, I wouldn't say uh, no, I guess. I, I don't, I've never asked and it doesn't sure. really matter, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know that they're offering the uh, I have I really have very little issue with what he's done so far as a GM. I only like his sort of trash comments and general demeanor. Do I sort of dislike? What do you think? We don't have to dwell on this. How do you think the offseason would have gone differently if Hinky was here? What Like, do you I guess we don't really have any idea, but whether he would have been. More pa- Pablo Torre once suggested that he thought he would have been more creative and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More creative and uh, more would have gone harder at some of the younger restricted free yeah. agents and been more creative in contracts to make those happen and would have had a different offseason that way. What do you think would have happened? Do you think it would have been closer to the same or closer to very very different i think it would have been closer to the same okay. i i don't think that the that there were enough young guys that were like legitimately priable from their teams whether it's re- probably restricted guys um maybe he would have signed some guys to offer sheets but i think people would have matched you saw a bunch of teams match anyway right uh i i think it would have been pretty similar i i i think that sergio for uh rodriguez signing was was a was pretty inspired yeah and i would i would i wish we had a team option for him but um and then just filling in filling in the spots i think maybe you know who knows who knows if hinky would have been able to pull off a ogre for noel trade by all accounts 
Colangelo is more well-liked among other GMs just right. because of his ability to schmooze and play the game. But um, but I don't know. I, 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 my impression is that it would have been would have been pretty similar to this. It would have been like, hey, we have the guys, Simmons and Embiid. Let's build a team around them of short-term, not huge cost contracts and and watch them grow. I, I, I think it would be pretty similar. And then the draft, obviously, we, we, we both liked. Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's funny. The, the, I, I believe there is only one person that is more processed than we are, and that is Ben Dietrich. He mm-hmm. is he is unapologetically like he crushed. Yeah. I I think part of it was for effect, but he he seemed to hate the off season in general, um, just because it was so anti process. I guess in that it it se- he seemed to give the impression that he would have liked to continue along the exact same path, and that what good does it do to sign Gerald Henderson? He's just taking up minutes, you know, so on and so forth. But yeah. I, I, I get the, I, I wonder about it a lot, and he'll never, Hinky will never be clear, and we'll never actually no. know. But I wonder about it a lot. I do agree with you on the Rodriguez signing. At least what I know of Rodriguez at this point, which is, you know, just what I've watched in the Olympics and on YouTube, but a, a lot more than I knew before. And it seems like he'll be a a uh, a good piece i feel like yeah for the, team. the only thing that i think he would have done differently is probably max out christian wood <laughs> i i feel like that but otherwise yeah uh yeah we're not gonna know but speaking of okafer yeah. and noel are you are you any closer to really believing the truth which is that they'll both be on the roster as the season starts this year are you there yet uh, uh no i think i still think one of them's gonna get traded I don't think so, man. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think people go into training camp and be like and look around and other teams I'm talking about and being like, All right, well, we're missing this, we kinda need this, they'll start to like really look at it and uh and maybe be more willing or somebody will get hurt and then they'll they'll make a move, that kind of thing. So hoping maybe um, some hoping maybe somebody's in camp and they're like, Man, we could use a, a fatty ball hog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I did you read Max Rappaport's article about Jaleel? Yeah, it annoyed me mostly. It did? I love Max, why, but it annoyed me. Yeah. Why did it annoy you? Because I'm just like I, I, I don't. I, I feel like it is. Um, I, I don't disagree with it. I because I, I, I hate that that in a lot of ways that when I'm doing something for effect or being funny it's taken as I'm being wholly serious. Like I 100% believe that Jaleel Okafor can be an effective offensive player. I do believe that he can, you know, the passing that went away. I don't, I don't, I don't think he just forgot how to pass. I, I do think that he just didn't trust his teammates. Yeah. And I do think it, it might show a little bit about his, you know, mindset for lack of a better word. I do think that he might be more, uh, more likely to get back into bad habits or something like that. And, but I, I think what it comes down to for me is not whether he is able to become a useful NBA player, because I think he can, but I think that specific kind of useful NBA player doesn't is is too hard of a fit anywhere because you have to design every I, I was I was uh, talking about this with somebody the other day all right imagine Jaleel Okafor is your center who name three guys who you think 
are the perfect power forward to put next to him. And there aren't three guys. It's really just Draymond Green. You need a guy who can protect the rim. Who can, Abaka. And uh, yeah, I guess Abaka. Okay, that's two. And who's the third? Uh, I could see a guy like Aaron Gordon if he become if he can like to keep working on his shot. Maybe Aaron Gordon yeah. could be interesting. Yeah, but but like it's a it's a tough fit, right? I mean, oh for sure, it's you, a tough fit. You're, you're Absolutely. talking about Draymond Green, who's a max player, Serge Ibaka, who will be a max player. So basically, what you're saying is you're saying the that this guy has to be so good that I'm willing to have to put a player on the court with him to protect all of his weaknesses. Yes. And I think the people that look at that are more pro Okafor are not looking at it from a team building perspective. They're looking at it from, hey, you guys say this guy isn't good. I'm looking at his post moves and how dominant he could be offensively and I'm saying that he's good and I think you're wrong. And and we're saying, or at least some of us are saying, it's not that he's not an efficient offensive player. It's that with Taken as a whole, it's very hard to build a team around him. And Max said he could be Brooke Lopez, which would be nice if he becomes – I think Brooke Lopez is a reasonable – that type of player is a reasonable expectation. But Brooke Lopez isn't the centerpiece of any really good team. No, and is he – I mean like he's hard to build around too. And, and here's yeah. the other thing. Even if you – let's say you have Draymond Green or Serge Ibaka. Well, the fact that Jaleel Okafor is completely unable to guard fours means that those guys, if, if they're guarding current NBA fours, like, like aren't by the rim to protect it anyway. It just right. – it, it causes so many – it causes so much upheaval that I really think that – even if Jaleel Okafor is as good as he can possibly be on offense, and let's say he's dominant, he's mm-hmm. still like a glorified, like center version of a guard Louis. six man. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, he's he's look. Enos Cantor is a much better rebounder than Okafor is, and is is probably even at this point a better defender than Okafor is, even if it's you know just by a little bit. And he could barely stay on the court sometimes. Uh, mm. And he's a more polished offensive player. So I, I just don't – in the, the way that the NBA is set up, I just – I can't imagine a world in which he is all – he is – you're doing too much maneuvering. Um, if they, they had signed him or they had picked him in the second round or something like that, but you have to do too much maneuvering to justify what he is to make your team good. And that's what I think. I don't think he can't become a better passer and a better defender, but I just don't think he become good enough at those things to make up for his deficiencies. Is, is really yeah, what, I the, what I'm looking for is say if say they trade Nerlens and Jaleel is the center. I mean, I think Embiid, they're really going to ease him into it. So I think Jaleel would play at least earlier in the season pretty major minutes um i would be looking for his rebounding to significantly improve and his passing to improve i'm not worried i'm not i don't think the defense is going to change overnight i think it's going to take a while if if, if he becomes an, an average defender um but if his rebounding significantly improves and his passing improves i will consider that hey maybe this guy can become a uh one of your few best players on the team and then and if it's just it's 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 the fact that he can't defend or rebound right now and he's a black hole on offense i think the black hole on offense thing will with ble- with better players with simmons um with more with better passers uh in the guard position and better shooters around him 
I think that will improve pretty quickly. And maybe last year was a wake-up call. But it's the rebounding. One of rebounding or defense has to significantly improve. It can't be both. There's just no way he's going to be a successful NBA player on a good team if he's if he's not at least good at one of those. Uh, the practice facility opened. Um, from every report, it is, if not the best and biggest practice facility in the NBA. It is one of them. They are mm-hmm. not holding training camp there. They are at Stockton again. It is. I don't. I don't know why they've said. The reason for that is, it is my belief is that the uh, training facility, the practice facility, is not totally complete yet, and that's why yeah. they're doing that. But mm-hmm. um, it does look pretty awesome, and the players seem pretty fired up, and it it will make a difference if you've if you've ever been to PCOM, it will make a major difference for free agents that fe- that that will feel like maybe maybe not a major difference, but. We, you know, you want a player who comes here to feel like they are, you know, Dallas isn't a, an awesome market or anything, but the fact that I think teams felt players would feel like they're joining a first class organization because of Mark Cuban and the way he treats his players, I think is part of it. And I think the, the practice facility will not only help the players that are here feel like they're in a better place, but I think it, prospective players, it's a, it's a it's a big thing, and uh, Hinky had a lot to do with the design of the facility and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. He did, he did. Yeah, uh, I do know Brian changed a few things than Hinky wanted, but um, but it is, Disag- what it is. Disagree. I disagree with him. That's fine. Yes, I disagree with all of those. I changes. don't know what the changes he made, but I disagree with them. That's They're okay. Wrong. The pictures were all impressive. I don't, I don't, I don't have much else to say. I haven't been there yet. I imagine at some point I will take a trip over there. But it's, uh, it'll be nice when they build the new Sixers Arena right next to it. <laughs> that is coming. I've been saying this for years on this podcast. The threat, yes, the threat of a Camden uh, Arena. I don't care one way or the other. I don't. They're both the same distance from work for me, and uh, and barely distant, barely different in distance from home. But the threat of a Camden Arena will be a real thing in the next five years. I'm guaranteeing you. They will. They will tell the city they want a new arena, and when the city says no, they will threaten with Camden tax breaks that'll essentially make that arena free. And they're going to do that, so be prepared for that. So the only thing that would bum me out about that, uh, I mean, uh, seeing people flip out would be really fun. But uh, I like the way that the the stadiums are set up now in uh, in South Philly. I think it's it's cool that they're all in the same place and with Xfinity Live in between. I think it's a cool area, and it would it would bum me out if the Sixers went to Camden just to lose that, you know. Uh, yeah, I think if, look, if they were smart, the city does not need two arenas, one for the Flyers and one for the Sixers. If, if both the Sixers and the, and one of the problems with having, um, only one team in one of those buildings is you have more dead nights where you're not making any money. If they were smart, the Sixers and the Flyers would go in together and find a way to own it together and have some sort of, uh, you know, a shared revenue stream and shared ownership. But I know that guys like Josh Harris and people that buy the Sixers do not buy that team to pay rent to somebody else, and they're not going to want to do that forever. But, you know, the, the I'm trying to think the, – the Wells Fargo Center just hit, what, 20 years old or 25 years old or something like that. It's coming up on the time. I, I think I think it was like 95 or 96 when, when it opened, so like yeah, 20 so, years. Yeah, so it's 20 years. It's coming up on – 
you know, I, the, most of those arenas go about 30 years before they start to feel outdated. And I don't think yeah. the Wells Fargo Center feels outdated, but I don't think it's crazy no, I, to suggest that they could build something new. Sure. Yeah, it feels like a like a normal good arena. Yeah. It's not it's not exactly flashy. No, no, no. Yeah. But uh, is there a conflict of interest for Josh Harris if he goes in with the Flyers because he doesn't own the Devils too? Uh, I don't think so. I I don't no. I don't know what that conflict. Um, no, I I mean because right now he's paying rent to the Flyers basically to so if there's a conflict of interest, it has to be a conflict there. I I'm not saying that they 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 could both own it. I think without that, I I'm I'm talking out of my ass, but it yeah. seems like it would be okay. I don't know. Before we talk about Joel Embiid's Instagram, why don't we talk about just the most handsome man in the Philadelphia area? That's one LL Pavorsky, owner of LL Pavorsky Jewelers. You know, we talk about 20, 25 years. I forget, how many years has LL been with his wife? 25? He's with it like his high school sweetheart. He's a committed guy. He's been in the same location for like 20 years. He's committed to the podcast. He's the only sponsor of the uh, of the Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Look, if it's time for an engagement ring, <clears throat> and we're heading into wedding season, Mike, I don't know if you know that, but the fall is really wedding season. You know, your your girlfriend is going to be thinking about, um, not yours specifically, Mike's, but I'm talking to the listener right now. Your girlfriend's going to be thinking about getting married. The leaves are falling to the ground. Weddings left and right. If you've realized that it is time to propose to your special lady or special fella, or if you're a lady that wants to propose to her special fella and you need an engagement ring, look, I have no problem with you doing that. The guy that you need to go to is L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers or L.L. Pavorsky at L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. We trust him. I think 18 or 19 now, right, Ricky Sanchez listeners have gone and gotten um, – uh, engagement rings from LL. And the best thing about it is that you are getting personal service from a guy who trusts the process, from a guy who has been to every lottery party, from a guy who will give you one-on-one service and take the time necessary to make you feel really, really comfortable with your purchase. He even wants, he doesn't, you know, you can stop in and say hi, and plenty of people have done that at 707 Walnut. But I think what you want to do is if you want an engagement ring, you want to make an appointment with Lee so he can block out all of his time and he can ask you questions. So when you show up, he's got everything ready for you. You can make an appointment by calling shop at 215-627-2252. You can email him. Just go to llpavorsky.com or you can even tweet him. He can be seen tweeting uh, hinky memes and gifts and things like that or setting up appointments with you. That is at L.L. Pavorsky. Look, we trust the guy. He's a good dude. We want you to trust the Pavorsky. As I said, 707 Walnut, com or at L.L. Pavorsky on Twitter. And as the official jeweler of the Rice of Ricky Sanchez podcast, L.L. makes generous donations to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and rain for every podcast. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Establishing a winning culture around your neck and fingers. <laughs> I like that one. Weird, weird one. I thought you were going to curse during it. No, no. Because, because no, of no. winning culture. Okay. Joel Embiid's Instagram, the one of the um, the the his locker at the practice facility. And yeah. you read it. It's like, guys, I'm going to be playing basketball. And there were a couple of funny things in there, you know, not – not warm-ups, not against 410, you know, uh, trainers, things of that nature, actual real basketball made me really think about what the guy 
has been through for the last two and a half years. And even, yep. even if some of it, you know, even if at times he didn't train hard enough or he ate too much or, you know, he is still a person who has been through a lot of stuff the last two and a half years. And if you think that you are excited or we are excited that he's going to play basketball to finally be at a point where he can officially put on a jersey and be in an official practice with his teammates must be really, really special for him. And I'm happy for him. And I hope it goes well, not just for us, because it would be awesome for us, but for him, uh, because to to go through that twice, to go through that rehab twice shows a lot of heart and a lot of uh, guts. And I think he deserves it. That was really nice, man. <laughs> I'm being serious. I, I like, no, I know. I'm, yeah. So am I. I thought that was yeah. really nice. Yeah. Uh, I. It's gotten to a point where it's so close. We are so close. It is the end of September right now. Yeah. How did we get here? I don't know. Yeah. We've we fought through this off season, tooth and nail. Yep. And he's really close to playing basketball with the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's everything I've always wanted in my life. When I was a young boy, I didn't know this is what I wanted, but I think somewhere I did. And I, it really feels like it won't happen because no, we're, no. So, we're so close. It feels like how could this possibly work exist? Out. Yeah. Yeah. How could this work out after all this? After, I mean, let's just include Bynum in this to go. I mean, those are those years of our lives we've spent on damaged seven footers getting healthy and making us be patient. I, the moment he steps on the court with the Sixers, I, uh, I will break down crying. I will, it'll be a, a total, it'll be a total, like, uh, religious moment for me. You know, he, it, it will really be a, a landmark. I, I know this sounds crazy, but there's, I, I was talking to Glenn about it a couple of months ago at work, and he said that he and his producer were, were Mac now, were trying to go through and try to find out any player who has ever missed his first two seasons entirely without playing a game due to injury, has that has there ever been a guy to come back and have a successful NBA career? And I don't think there was one. You know, like there was a guy that played one game or two games. So for him to miss his first two years with an injury this, you know, tough to recover from, um, and at this age and given the situation for him to get on the court and be a productive NBA player, let's forget about what's possible. But even if he just becomes a productive NBA player will be something that the NBA has never seen before. And, uh, it, it almost seems like we don't deserve it or something like there's no, you're right. It's so much more likely that it, if you were thinking about it intellectually, it's so yeah. much more likely that it doesn't work out than it does. It seems, whether that's true or not, that's what it seems like. It just mm -hmm. seems impossible. It seems impossible that it would actually happen. So Yeah, even even Ilgauskas played his rookie year, got hurt five games into his sophomore year, and then missed the whole rest of that season and the next season, and yeah. then came back, and most of the other season, and then came back and played and started 
uh, a couple years later was playing 81, 78. Like he had a string of at least the rest of his career played at least 60 games for the next 10 years. So it's possible to come back from that, and especially as much as Ogaskis rested. I don't remember the circumstances really of, of of his rehab or whatever, but it took him some time to get back to where, where he could be. But uh, that's the only reference point of reference that I know of that is even close to that. Um, I, I Look, he's going to have – there's going to be more setbacks someday, whether it's soon or – years from now or whatever it is it's not going to go 100 percent smoothly forever um but the people that have stuck with the team and with him for as long as people listen to this podcast have and people that are uh with us on twitter it's like when he i mean it's obviously him and he's just a guy and he's been the one putting in the work but it's been taking a toll on us on us emotionally and uh mentally so when he's when he's just on the court like let's just try to enjoy it and he's gonna probably gonna suck for a bit he's gonna like airball a three or something but uh it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy he's gonna be playing but at least he'll he'll be on the court shooting threes right i mean like exactly yeah it's gonna i mean i don't know what's gonna i mean it's it is a total it is not not since Y2K, did I have less of an idea what's going to happen when the clock strikes whatever? I'm pretty excited. Maybe maybe computers will all die and we're all going to explode. Hey, let's quick go through the 20-man. I'll give you the player and you give me the percentage chance that he is on the opening day roster. I just want to talk about TJ changing his number. Well, that's it. We can – I mean it's on the – the uh, the roster here, so it'll be the second one we talk about. We'll go through an order of number, okay? Okay. Uh, Jared Bayless, a hundred percent. Number one, T.J. McConnell. God, such a cool number change. Yeah. I love it. He was four at Arizona. Okay. I like him in a in a uh, in a single one digit, digit. in yeah. a single digit jersey. Yeah. Number one, TJ. It's just such like a. I'm gonna be here for a long time. Obviously, yeah. Michael Carter Williams wore number one, and he was not. Yeah. But number, you don't. They don't just give out number one to whoever. Yeah, they do. Do they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if Brandon Paul wanted number one, I think they'd probably be like, nah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, if McConnell wanted it, he probably would get dibs over Brandon Paul. I don't know. Percent chance McConnell on the roster. <sighs> 99%. Whoa, I like it. I'm going to go 100% chance. Nerland's Noel. Okay, so this isn't like making the team. This is trade or yeah. anything. By the way, Nerland's Noel listed officially as a forward slash center. Jaleel Okafor just listed as a center. Um, all right, yeah. Nerland's Noel. Um, which is reasonable considering he did play yeah. the forward center position last year. Uh, I would say... Um, Fifty-five percent. I'm saying a hundred percent. Anthony Barber. Ooh, does this include? Is this just a fifteen man? This yeah. doesn't include D League. Yeah, fifteen man. Um, five percent. Uh, I don't even know who that is, so I'm going to say zero. That, that, that's Cat Barber. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, yeah. then five uh, percent is fine. <laughs> that's so funny. You said I was like, oh, that's that Barber. Okay. 
Jaleel Okafor. Um, I'm going to say 52%. Okay, I'm going to also say 100%. Dario? 100%. Uh, 99%. Yeah, yeah, okay. 99%. Yep, all right. Uh, Stauskas? Oof. Um, opening night, Stauskas. I'm going to say 40%. Uh, I'm gonna go fifty-eight uh, percent, but um, I I have no idea why he would be. Uh, G- uh, Gerald Henderson, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Sergio Rodriguez, I think we'll both say hundred percent, right? Hundred percent. Yep. Uh, TLC, Timothy Luawu Cabarro, um, a hundred percent. Um, I. Well, I mean, he'll be on the 15-man, right? Okay. Because yeah, I think he's yeah. going to spend some time with the sevens. But, uh, definitely. definitely. I'm, I'm gonna go, as, well yeah. he should, as well he should, really. Yep. Okay, I'm with you. Embiid. 100%. Yep. Rashawn Holmes. Ooh. I'm going to say 60%. Um, I'm going to say I would have I would have been around 50, but I'm going to say 75 because Brian Colangelo mentioned he and Jeremy Grant, I think, specifically in the podcast as as uh, adding things to their game in the offseason. So I don't know. It changed it. James Webb, the third. Two percent. Okay, I'll just I'll defer to you on that one. Ben Simmons, 100 percent. 100%. 100%. Uh, Hollis Thompson. Ooh, baby. Man. Seamus wrote an article about Hollis. I didn't read it. I feel like <sighs> every article about Hollis has been titled, Hollis Thompson is the process. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, as well, as well he should. Um, I'm going to say Hollis 65%. Uh, I'm going to go 75%. I think Hollis is making it. Uh, wait, hold on. I lost my list. I lost it. Uh, Covington, I'm going to say 90%, 10% chance he's involved in a trade of some sort, but I'll say 90%. I'll say 95%. Sean Long? Uh, less than 1%. Okay. Jeremy Grant? I'm going to say 80%. I'll go with 90 on Jeremy. Uh, Elton Brand? Ah, uh, 50%. I don't know. I think it's a toss-up. Uh, I'll go 60. I'll, I'll, I'm leaning toward yes. And Brandon Paul? Uh, 2%. Okay. Before we get to who Sam Hinkie followed on Twitter, <laughs> I did... This is, the, this is the riveting podcast stuff you yeah. need. Well, Reading follows. People, people haven't had one of these podcasts in a while, it seems like. You know, we've been so busy putting other people on the podcast that yeah come on we're riffing we're talking about the issues of the day yeah so uh sixer i i I bought nba 2k17 the day it came out i was having i don't usually buy it the day it comes out it's weird nba 2k is one of those things where i can afford in my life and i love playing it but it's so maybe it's the grown-up in me going like "Eh, $60 for a video game I don't know. That's a little steep. And I haven't haul over it for about three weeks until I buy it. But I bought it the day it yeah. came out. Sixers are pretty good. And uh, that is a stark difference between 
2K16 and 17. They yeah. are pretty good. Yeah, they made Embiid pretty good, and they made regardless of their ratings because I don't spend a lot of time looking at that. They made Simmons pretty good. Uh, Simmons is what a 79, Embiid is a 77. Yeah, something like that. Um, Covington. Uh, they made a better three-point shooter than he had been before. At least it feels that way. I like the game plan stuff. But the Sixers were a team that I wanted to play with in previous versions but couldn't really because they're so bad. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm playing these online kids, and they're they're kicking my fucking ass all over the place. And like especially when you do it with the Sixers, it's too hard. So I would play with wow. other teams. But I can play with the Sixers. I've been playing with them online, and they are pretty good, I'll say. Um, I and, love it. How's and, TJ? Uh, TJ's pretty good. I hit a three with him the other day. Uh, Love it. Not, is, his, is his release like takes the right... forever? Yep. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. They <laughs> and somebody mentioned on Twitter, and they do do this. Uh, Clark Kellogg does mention the orchard, and then I think it's the third guy says something about the orchard better start growing more quickly or something like that. But they do right. they do mention planting the seeds for the orchard. So uh, right. you don't play video games, right? You're not a two K guy. No, I mean, I used to, I used to play video games when I was younger, and at this point, I'm so happy that I don't have a a system because I would just be playing it all the time, and I don't have time for that. It's, uh, it would just be a, a tremendous time suck. And if I if I if I like dip my feet into that well, dip my toe in, I think I would like totally fall in and right. never recover career wise. Yeah, I don't. I'm at the point where it is really just a probably a once a week leisure activity. I love playing it. Uh, but I just don't have enough time. But I do. It is a good release. It's a good. So you know, when I was, uh, it would have been end of high school, freshman year of college, something like that. Uh, it was when the college hoops series oh, yeah. was still existed before it was NCAA basketball. College hoops was much better than NCAA basketball. Um, so I I would play two K seven and two K eight um, when they come out. But it was before I had – it was like it was years ago. So they didn't have – like it wasn't like everything is automatically connected to the internet. Like it was just, oh, you could just play with your friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't – it wouldn't just like automatically load rosters and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I – this was 2007. So Jake Pavorsky was nine years old. Yeah. And the, the way I would I, – I would manually put in – rosters for every team in college basketball i would my playstation was upstairs and so i would print out like the canisius roster on the computer downstairs and then walk it upstairs and spend my afternoon like typing in like ryan long into canisius power forward number 35 wow and typing in on one of these typing systems it takes forever yeah. because you absolutely yeah I, I typed in everybody so that's why my knowledge of the 2007 and 2008 college basketball classes is so strong because i kept typing them in and then i would type them in on my friends like xboxes because it was like well if we're playing the house i want to be able to know who the guys are if i'm playing with georgia tech i want to know that it's that young and javaris crittenden not power forward number 12 and point guard number 35 Wow, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it is a good idea. You don't have a system. Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, the good old days. Sam Hinkie started following people on Twitter. The yes, he did. first he currently follows six hundred forty six people. It was at four twenty for a bit. And yeah, that was fun. Which was funny. You sort of wonder if he thought that was funny at least for a minute. Maybe he did. Yeah, he, he had to. He had to. He the first person he followed was Joel Embiid. Love it. 
he did follow he followed basically all of Sixers Twitter, which I really appreciate. He followed yep. the Ricky, he followed us, he followed just about every Liberty Ballers writer. You know, I'm looking mm-hmm. at them now. He followed Tanner, <laughs> who's barely great. yeah, which is awesome. You know, right. um, he followed a lot of people. I feel like he just he started following people, and then he was going through the Twitter of suggesting you follow this person. Like he's he, going for it. Yeah, he. I would have guessed that he would have been somebody who would have been precious with his follows, but he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. At all. I I think he. I think his following is as an appreciation to people who went to bat for him and the and the people that uh, respect him. I think he's an incredibly self aware person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and for as many people that he knows don't like him or think he's like a, a total dipshit hack uh, pyramid scheme guy, I think he knows that the people that uh, that you know maybe bought him a billboard are, uh, <laughs> yeah. are 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 worthy of a of a very inexpensive follow. Man, one day we're gonna look back on all this. It'll be funny to look back on it, won't it? Yeah. Now he, he, I will. I'm if when the Sixers win a championship in 2019, I am carrying Hinky to the parade on my back. Yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna show up at his house like in old school, like when they get all of the yes. uh, all the yes. recruits. We're gonna throw or or, the or little giants either way. Yeah, get in the uh, band. We're, we're gonna show up at his house in, in Palo Alto, and we're gonna drive him to Philadelphia. Yes, that'd be great. With and Sam, if you're listening to this, do you think he listened to the letter? By the way, no, no, no. Hmm. Uh, I think he keeps. I think he reads and pays attention, but keeps it slightly at arm's length. I think if you listen to this podcast, it would be like masturbating. Yeah, too much. Definitely too much. By the way, I have to say, uh, Eliza Hardy Jones, her reading. Did you listen? I listened to the letter once. I started. I couldn't stop doing it. Man, it sounded so nice when she read it. It really did sound nice having a female voice on the podcast. Got to get more. Got to get more ladies in the podcast. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, he did follow Ben Simmons second, which is funny. He uh, followed Okafer before he followed Noel. <laughs> he did. I mean, what do you want? Um, what what detective work? I yeah, love it. He followed Bill Gates right before he followed Ben Golliver. But he did follow Ben Golliver before he followed Brad Stevens. So uh, there you go. Um, just go. I think he's just going alphabetically at this point. Well, and here's what's interesting is he, he definitely followed Woj and Spears uh, before he followed uh, Stein, uh, Mark uh-huh. Stein. But uh-huh. he did follow Chris Broussard before he followed any of them. So – yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think we might be looking into it too much. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. I, no, this is good. I don't know. That, I, I don't know that this is telling in any way, though. No, I'm just saying it. I'm just throwing it out there. Jesus. Who who, who did he follow first, Tanner or Dave? Uh, he followed Dave before he followed Tanner. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the last person he's followed is Adam Maggie, who is. Let's see who Adam Maggie is. Uh, wow. Just um, from Chicago, Illinois, only has 26 followers, and uh, and that's it. I don't know. Maybe he's a really smart person I've never heard of. I love he just it. Just doesn't tweet. By the way, uh, I'm I'm gonna throw this out to everybody listening. Take Twitter off your phone. Uh, just do it. It makes life so much better. I'm just I'm throwing this out at you. It just it's a way. It makes for a way better life. You know. Um, Doug Peterson, uh, I feel like the Eagles were sending us a message by tweeting out that Doug Peterson said, trust the process in the post game, 
uh, in the postgame celebration after beating the Bears last week. But Doug Peterson did say trust the process. Do you like what trust the process has become or are you sick of it? I think, well, we had that. Year like a year ago, six months ago or something like that, we we talked about it, sort of putting it to, out to pasture. Yeah. And now it's it's gotten so big and so universal that I don't even tie it to us anymore. I think it's, um, I think it, you know, it's like the Mike Holmgren coaching tree. Like we are right. responsible for Andy Reid's career, but every time Andy Reid does something, I don't think that people are like Holmgren. You know. Right. I I I guess what happens with me is I get a little when it shows up in a place like that. I because we get I get somebody tweets at me like any time even when they asked uh, when Hillary Clinton was on between two ferns and they asked her about TPP people were tweeting that at us and TPP was a thing before trust the process (laughs) so so I don't know Uh, but I I always get a grin I always smirk it always makes me feel happy it does it is funny that we have. uh, appropriated naughty by nature to ourselves. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't have anything else. If you want a jigsaw, unless you had anything else, that that's about all I had. Uh, no. When does training camp officially start? Is it Monday? Twenty uh, sixth, right? So that's it's tomorrow. Monday. Yeah. Um. All right, man. Yeah, it's gonna be good. The first Next. preseason game is the fourth, right? In in Massachusetts somewhere against the Celtics. I believe that's the first preseason game. Insane. I think uh, I think we'll have some basketball to talk about next week. Maybe who knows? Oh yeah, and are we going to have uh, uh, Unterberger on to do the the process trivia? I think we're going to do oh, that next week too. Yeah, it'll that'll be we'll make we'll be pretty embarrassing. Yeah, well, uh, I'm I'm horrible at trivia, so I'm I'm assuming I'll do terribly, but whatever. Uh, should, should we study or should we actively not study? No, I'm not studying. I'm not going to study. Okay. I'm promising I, you, I won't. I won't study. Then I won't either. All right, you ready for a jigsaw? Let's do it. Play. I will play this game. Game play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, "How does it feel to win the ultimate game?" And he said, "If it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year?" All right, Mike. This is a pretty straightforward one. As usual, this is for the rest of your life. You get to choose one or the other. You either, for the rest of your life, have a headache that I would rate on a scale of 1 to 10 to be a 5, with 10 being you can't even, you know, concentrate, you can't see, you can't drive, 1 being it's barely even there, that headache would be a 5. Or, for the rest of your life, you suffer from full cold symptoms. Uh, The cold would be at a 7, not at a 5, but at a 7 for the rest of your life. Okay, so a slight headache forever. Or like a medium headache. A medium headache. And and no medicine you're taking for either of these things is doing any good. Of course. Yeah. Or or a pretty bad cold yeah. forever. Not a ten, but a seven. Oh. I think I I think I take I think I take the headache. Yeah. I think I take the headache. Cause, yeah, yeah. Cause there's I mean there's like a numb head. Like a slightly, there's at least some, some, you can like close your eyes and sort of like be okay with it, be at peace with that, but not a migraine, a migraine would be brutal, but a slight medium numb, but, but I've cold symptoms forever, especially with like, you know, sore throat, runny nose, like ears that keep popping. Yep. 
that I couldn't do. It. I mean, I mean, I'm I've I've had a lingering like half cold for like a week and a half, and I'm ready to kill myself. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with the headache. Um, I think I would also go with the headache, which is a rare time that we agree. But I, I I'm not sure. Give it, like when I'm at work and I have a headache, I I can't. But it's the same way with a cold. I have trouble concentrating on anything for for too long. And yeah. uh, I, I I sort of feel like either one of them might make me crazy, like legitimately crazy. Like I might lose yeah, my mind. for sure. The way the when I was an assistant, it'd be brutal to have a headache and be on my computer all the time. But now that I'm a writer at the, and not not looking at a computer all day, I it, it's more manageable. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be more manageable. Oh, real quick, uh, over under for Sixers wins is twenty seven and a half. I think that's too high. I'm gonna take. I the think under. it's. I think it's too high too. Yeah. I think it's too high too. Should I go with the uh, the tried and true twenty five like they've they've like they've gotten every year? No, I I I don't say that we we got to do our season preview right before the season. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which when we'll and we'll do all of our over unders then. I'm just saying we normally do an over under pod. I, I do a bunch of silly ones and real ones. So. I think, but twenty-seven and a half seems a little high to me. It, it, they yes, they won ten last year, folks. They won ten, so that's they won ten. Yeah, they won 10. that would be that would be tough. But it was, uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They I'll, still I'll, won 10. Um, yeah. I think under. I think under. I think yeah, under. Yeah, and that's okay. That's okay. That's not a bad. And that's okay. That'd be great. Yeah. We want. Look, we're gonna get two top ten picks again. Again, it's gonna be great. Lottery party's gonna be awesome. Um, okay. I want the. Where do you want the Lakers to fall? Uh, four, right? But I'm uh, no sorry. Not where do you want their record to be? I mean, I guess four is the ideal for that, also. But um, yeah, I guess four is the right answer. But I think that they're. I mean, <laughs> I've done. The, I've done the. Uh, I've tried to figure out like Eastern Conference teams, Western Conference teams, like the order. Yeah. It's tough to. It's tough to envision many people being under the Lakers. I think the Nets and, and maybe the Sixers. The Nets are definite, I'd say. The Sixers are uh, probable in, well, in the area. The Sun- and then there's the Kings and the Suns. Yeah, yeah, those are the only other teams that I... I don't think the Nuggets are going to be that bad. I mean, the the Bucks could be awful, yeah. theoretically. But I don't think that bad. And I, I don't think... Uh, I mean, my, maybe Miami is going to be really bad, especially if a team gets if, if like Drogic or Whiteside gets hurt. But I, I think that those are your five bad teams: the Suns, the Lakers, the Sixers, the Nets, and the Kings. Um. Yeah, I haven't looked all that much. The Suns could be pretty bad again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, a different podcast for a different time when I'm sure. prepared for it. Uh. Okay. Uh, um, all right. All right. Well, uh, this has been the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you as always by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 707 Walnut, always at LLPavorsky.com. Are you hey. down? Whoa, what? Are you down with TTP? Whoa. Yeah, you know Lickface. There you go. All right. Like I said, won't you hit some?